0: Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook and a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. We're very lucky today to have Dr. Alison Hoy with us today from Lancaster University. Not only are you a Sociology Lecturer, but also a Director of Student Engagement and Recruitment at Lancaster University. As I understand that that sort of uh, leadership role is taking you sort of down the careers of re- you know, education and, and, you know, bringing them together, careers and education. And I think this is a really important topic to talk about. So first of all, thank you for coming and spending some of your time today. I appreciate you're also very busy.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you, Katie, and to talk through some of these issues that I think are really interesting and complicated for all of us. Oh, definitely. And that's, you know, from a sort of full disclosure here. Um,
0: I was lucky enough to meet uh, Dr. Allison, um a while ago, and we started talking about careers and, and, and sociology and education, and I was just really intrigued by it, and uh, thinking sort of, you know, what does this even mean as a sociology teacher or a head of department? How do we shoehorn this in? And our conversation, I know, went on for quite a while, and I thought, right, I'm gonna pick this up again, uh, and definitely sort of share some of the, the questions I've got with our sort of two-to-two followers. So just thinking about this, you know, what are the myths around sort of sociology and careers? I think if those of us that can remember, um, there was a sort of BT advert many years ago in the 1980s about, you know, if you've got an ology, um, then you're a scientist, and it sort of undermines the value of a sociology degree potentially and the option of careers. So, how do we de- debunk these myths initially around careers and sociology?
1: I think it's a really important question and you know the simple answer is more conversation, more knowledge, more complex considerations of, you know, what those links are between careers and different disciplines. Um but I think it is a bit of a challenge because we know from research that sociologists go on to so many different career paths and that is a challenge because then there's no one simple answer. So, you know, you can either end up in a situation where people have no idea what a sociologist would do as a possible career, or because there's so many answers, people can sometimes default for, oh, well, if you do sociology, then that means you're going to be a teacher or you're going to be a social worker, when it's not that straightforward. So I think it is a really important area for us to be getting into conversation around. So it's
0: mainly having those conversations, because I sort of spoke to you just a minute ago before sort of we started recording, and I just wanted to sort of think, well, I know, is it just, you know, putting a poster on the wall, you know, with careers and a list? And like you said, a lot of people think it's becoming a social worker or, or a teacher, um, or is it more than that? Because I've started to hear both from my own senior leadership, and then obviously via sort of Ofsted and literature around careers, this sort of term, uh, the Gatsby benchmark, and it lists eight things that we should do. And I must admit, I do a lot of nodding and go, I know what you're talking (laughs) about in a meeting. And then I'm like, actually, what does that even mean for me as a sociology teacher? Because, you know, it's been put on maybe school improvement plans and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, on sort of the, the classroom level, how am I?" Going to meet that needs of that. Is it just talking about it? Is it more than that? Is it putting a poster up? Um, obviously, I know you might know a little bit more about that, so I, your help and advice would be appreciated.
1: Yeah, I think you have pointed, Katie, to one of the tensions that's really important in this area, which is that tension between the fact we know that careers and employability is something not only that's important, but that we're going to potentially be accountable for when it comes to school improvement plans and needing to address Gatsby benchmarks. We get the same thing in higher education with, um, you know, the fact that we have to put on our websites possible career options. We are. Being being asked more by the officer students now to be considering employability and be accountable for the employability of our grads. And I think that the challenge with that is that telling us that we should pay attention doesn't say, as you pointed out, how to do so, why we should do so, uh, what some of the real challenges are in doing that. So it's one reason why um, I think one of the most useful things we can do is to actually think about how this is grounded in some of our basic passion for the subject um, and for what's valuable about it because i think you know we know not every teacher is a specialist of sociology but you know usually people are engaged in some other social science or humanity subject and there are certain things in common that we can see are really valuable for the world and that i think is a great place to ground these conversations because You know i could start by saying okay well these are all the details of all eight of the gatchby benchmarks and that still is not going to answer that question you had about how can we do this you know what does it actually involve for us and that's where i'm really interested from a kind of leadership perspective in education to be thinking more creatively about what we're expecting of different people and how we can bring people on board. Because I think it's absolutely right that the way a senior leadership team is thinking about careers and employability and creating structures that are supporting that in a school or a university, you know, that should be different than people who are career leads or you know, here at our university, people who are in the career services and have specialized training around that. Um, And that should be different, again, from the way that we're being asked to engage if all our role is at the moment is as a subject specialist teacher, where we obviously want to make some of those connections to careers and employability, which is what Gatsby Benchmark 4 is asking us to do, but where we can't be expected to be spending all of our time becoming careers experts in order to do so.
0: So then I mean, we talked about the how, and I st- I still think stuff sort of like okay, I can have those conversations. Is there like an expectation that ever I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of like, do I do I spend? You know, I'm trying to think of a, a scenario like maybe if I'm teaching like today, the other day I was teaching the uh, the theories, just the theories, getting them introduced to Year 12. and I said, you know, something along the lines of this is why is this important? Why do we know So we talked about the the purpose of the course, but then I sort of started mentioning, you know, as potential one day employers, you've got to be able to think, you know, you've got to think out the box that you might be presented with a, a problem solving task. It's you, got to have that sort of lateral thinking. Is that enough just to say that? Or, you know, is it more than that? Because I, I suppose there's a little, there's a little bit of self doubt in that am I am I meeting these this benchmark? Do I need to do something more explicit, like get someone in from a particular career, and to them okay. to talk about it? Or is it enough just to signpost it?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that is a really important question and there's no one answer to it because, you know, partly it's going to depend on what the expectations of particular schools are, you know, if there is a plan for what every subject teacher is supposed to be doing or whether things are centralized and I think. That's really obvious when you see some of the um, advice that has come out around the Gatsby benchmark. So if anybody hasn't heard of those, uh, basically you know, nearly a decade ago now, um, there was a report that was commissioned in order to get best practice for how schools and colleges can actually engage and support students to learning about careers. And those eight benchmarks are all discussing different dimensions of how that could be done. The one that's most relevant from a subject, a sort of teacher standpoint, is Gatsby Benchmark Four, which says that we're supposed to be correct, uh, connecting the curriculum and our subjects, and integrating uh, careers education into the curriculum somehow. Now what's quite interesting when you look at some of the guidance that's been produced subsequently around how that could happen what it might look like is that it's very clear there are different strategies for doing that and some schools might have a strategy where they have a career specific curriculum that somebody is in charge of that just sort of runs alongside all the subjects and in that kind of context subject leads might not have any responsibility or no significant responsibility for actually doing more around careers but there's other schools where that maybe isn't happening or where perhaps you know the the way that that's presented we might think that subjects like sociology which have these myths we've acknowledged require a different type of attention and that's where uh, you know I'm really curious about other creative ways that we can think about, embedding things in our teaching that are manageable for us (laughs) that are but are also trying to make um, connections between you know some of the pedagogical intent that we might have around our curriculum anyways and make those links back to careers instead of sort of starting from careers as the thing we have to put in so you know i think there are some opportunities for us to to start with what we're already doing and then think about ways that we can get to careers from there
0: Mm, that's so interesting, thank you, because I was thinking like, you know, like you said, schools will, will have different expectations, won't they? It might be something like you said, a career, there would be like a sort of career specialist, or it can be something more uh, informal that could be on a subject level. You mentioned, and I'm sort of putting you on the same spot here, there's this sort of creative art element. You said you've been looking at creative ways of doing that. Selfishly, what are these creative ways in which, because I, I want some of these creative ways, because I'm, I'm sort of thinking... Uh, does it feel natural like uh, see so if you're conscious of the content that you've got to cover you've got exams and, and you know just add another thing to this like you know the the plates that you carry metaphorically yeah. you know you're like a teacher you're you're you know in school school counselor almost and all these things you've got to do marking, administration you might have other roles with outside the school oh and and by the way just that uh, what it's just all back to tip can you also teach careers <laughs> um so these creative ways uh, please 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 enlighten me <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly um, not not the only person who's thought about this. But one thing that's been really interesting for me, and this is connecting up some of the research I've done in the past, some of the theoretical interests I have around structuration and social practice theories. And so one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how if we just start from the basic principle that we don't have one career, we have multiple careers. That I think is a really interesting hook. And it relates to what you just said about the multiple plates that people are carrying. Um, But it also has a really useful set of sociological roots that we can point to and connect up to aspects of the curriculum. So just to give you a sense of some of those roots and ways that we could connect it up. Um, One is that obviously there is lots of research around careers and gender and aspects of complexities discriminations, the kind of double burden of having to have a career and also be in charge of many household tasks, and that is one thing that already I know a lot of teachers will be touching upon or or addressing in discussing different types of feminist theories and the family, and that is one space where we can just make very apparent it is clear that there are multiple careers going on here and that they can conflict with each other. And I think that basic step to saying a career is not necessarily just about paid work, is one step away from this simple equation of the career means a job title, as opposed to a career means Getting embedded in developing, acquiring, you know, shifting, juggling different skills, knowledges, roles throughout one's lifetime. And there is lots of sociological work that points to that more expansive understanding of a career as moving through time, engaging in different types of practices. So I think it's an interesting starting point because from that, you can imagine sort of setting up a way of engaging with your teaching where what you're doing is just spiraling back to that kind of basic point in different bits of the curriculum, right? So, you know, when it comes to things like thinking about um crime then you know becker's work on in the book outsiders and talking about how people are jazz players or jazz musicians or marijuana users they have careers they develop a way of knowing how to do these things that's a really interesting case that you could just bring in a little bit to to complement that thought um thinking about things like leisure, like media, you've got great examples, everything from the way I was mentioning earlier to you, Katie, Uh, my PhD research talked about how people travel with their leisure, how they are actually building up these careers, they're building up skills, they end up being taken to places, events, you know, things because of what they're passionate about doing in their leisure time. But we also have great examples like Michael Sheen, who's a sociology, past sociology student, who's doing fascinating things like declaring himself a not-for-profit actor which is just really interesting in the context of media industries the kinds of power relations and how one person might have power to start destabilizing that or bringing in new conversations around it Um, and then in terms of theory there are lots of things not only related to career literature and people who've researched careers, but also from uh, areas of interest, like my interest in structuration and practice theories, because within practice theories that people have been continuing to develop since Giddens and since Foucault, um, we actually think about the way that any set of organized activities somebody's involved in can be something that you sort of carry along with you and have a career in. So in that sense, you know, I trained much earlier in my life. I started a a bachelor's degree in business administration. I very quickly got bored with it and abandoned it, but having developed some of those skills around accountancy, around project management, I'm now finding that they're being incredibly useful in my present role, um, even though I didn't have a formal career in administration or in you know in management. So I think those opportunities to sort of link things through, encourage students to delve into say, the um, data that exists around graduate outcomes for sociology grads. Think about the comparisons and contrast with other subjects. Those are all great opportunities for thinking about how this multiplicity of skills and knowledges and careers actually means that what we're doing is not hunting for the one answer of what we should do in our life, but hunting for, okay, what are the things I'm good at? What am I really passionate about continuing to develop? And how can I actually take a, a kind of personal reflection on that into account when I think about the way that careers evolve over time.
0: Gosh there's so much you've said there like literally my head was like I was just absorbing it all because actually it's really different from what I initially thought like I I as I understood it with my sort of nodding in a, in a meeting going I know what you're talking about but really I, I didn't <laughs> I thought it was like okay so like really signposting it in a I don't know in a really transparent way and then you're like oh if you want to be da, 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 then this would be really good for you know i'm trying to think of an example I don't, i'm trying to think okay so we take so students want to take medicine you're like oh well this is really good to understand palliative care because you're having that empathy and you know really sort of which i think would be part of it from what you're saying but what i'm understanding and correct me if i'm wrong is that actually it's talking about careers quite generically in some respects, and not all about just the, the individual and saying, you know, what does it mean for women? What does it mean for ethnic minorities? Is there other forms of career, like sort of the deviant career you were talking about earlier? Um, is careers as in regards to, I suppose, you've got your, obviously your, your theories, which would be like sort of, from a sociology teacher at A-level, would be sort of the laissez-faire economics from sort of a right-wing perspective. Um, and even having discussions around sort of, I suppose, Marxism and capitalism and that debate and so actually it's it's talking about the concept of careers potentially and is it all something that like you said paid employment and there's that more got more value or not than other one other careers that you might have or other skills so there's lots to think about there and that, that, and I think you've sort of mentioned that idea of it being transferable as well um, like yourself you use your example of you doing business administration and and you've taken that journey into obviously sociology um so that that's for me it's just blown up my mind So i was like oh my gosh i was like thinking there's a link there there's a link there there's a link there in sociology you know when we think about sort of the education unit we have to teach um there's quite a lot of teachers that could take along from that which is regards to you know will these students do better because of they have their parents have these careers in education is that right is that wrong you know, and also thinking about that mobility within education. So, actually, there's quite, as I understand it, there's a lot of signposting that can go on um, from that. Is that right? Is that how, is that what it could look like in a sort of, I don't know, in a different sense than just a poster on a wall?
1: Absolutely. I, I think that's I think you've absolutely captured what I was trying to get across and also this important difference. So I think it's one thing that I'm certainly not um, not trying to come off as critical of you know leadership teams who are trying to sort of say, OK, we just need to make it more visible how this equates to this, how you need this subject to get into this role, because that is really important for some subjects. My concern is that thinking about what kind of leadership we need to make sure sociology graduates in particular can make a difference in the world and can be really successful and help shape some of the social change that I know some of them get really passionate about that i think that concern leads to a different way of approaching the challenge of how do we make things obvious to students how do we make sure they'll they'll be able to use the skills and knowledge they have afterwards and having conversations with different alumni who've gone on to work in very different sectors after having studied sociology it's just so apparent to me that it doesn't make sense for us to continue only participating in conversations that are about study this, you'll get to this, or this is required for this, or these are the roles you could go to. Because when it comes to sociology, as, as one of the uh, alumnus that I was speaking to at a public event last autumn said, you know, people don't know, employers don't necessarily know what sociology is, but if you tell them what you know and the skills that you have, they will say, ooh, I need that, that's what I want in this role and in my organization. And I think that's one of the main reasons that when it comes to sociology, it might be really advantageous for us to think about different ways of approaching a conversation around careers that are grounded in and growing from The kind of themes and concerns that we're already engaged in in the classroom. And, you know, I think it's also really worthwhile thinking about how we can do that alongside and in collaboration with broader strategies for implementing careers within a school, because these are not exclusive. It's just that, you know, the the poster might have a different emphasis um, and might be providing a little bit more of the how do you get to the roles instead of just what the roles are, for example.
0: Mm, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because I know that over the last time I met you, um, that you were sort of you talked about the sort of the different graduates and what they what careers they'd gone into, and they'd written like um, little statements um, about what what, and they were quite they were so such vast careers, weren't they? And I, I remember thinking when you when you shared that bit of information that I, mean, I use this a lot with my students is, um, I'm quite old, um, and I said, to them, when I was at school, I only had a computer lesson once a fortnight. We are, you're you're developing or you're working for an uncertain future. And they went, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, when I was young, I had a computer lesson once a fortnight. And then look at the world now, to work in any industry, you'll need access to computers. Whereas I think I use paint once a, a fortnight. And the careers have changed so much that actually you've got to have those transferable skills that that in the in the sense of i need to do this to become this is actually quite an outdated concept because we're we're living in a very if i suppose from a postmodern perspective a very changeable society it's very uncertain so and actually something like computer really shows that i mean who would have thought in the 80s there would be an influencer and online marketing do you know i mean so i think and then you know i think that helps as well parents i think some i'm sure i'm not alone in this that some teachers will have on opening or what will my son will do to do, to do with the sociology a level and actually most of those parents will, will remember the 80s and that's quite a good reference point you know and they'll be like oh okay yeah you know what, what is the future what's gonna that gonna hold thinking about this you know is would i suppose it's Is there anywhere that we could go to get more information on this? It's really practical. You sort of mentioned this Gatsby Benchmark. You've mentioned, um, like there's a website where you can get a bit more information about that. Are there also any schools or, you know, any sort of uh, further education establishments that are worth looking onto their website? I don't know of anyone you've worked with. We can get more information on this because I know that myself, maybe other people put more expertise in this, I wouldn't mind to sort of look and see what it is. I feel like I, I think from a sense of view, I've got what it is, which is it's a lot more holistic. Um, but actually, it'd be really good to see some good practice out there
1: absolutely so in terms of some of the the published work that's been done around implementing the gatsby benchmarks um the best place to go is the website of the careers and enterprise company because they've uh, developed a whole set yeah of resources and the other great thing that they've done is they have um various teachers and schools who've been leaders in this area that they've got short profiles of that you could then follow up in terms of thinking about what does it look like to have a different different type of strategy in terms of how we implement some of this and so some of those interventions might not be specific to sociology and might not be engaging quite with what I've been saying in terms of grounding us in our discipline. But I think they're great starting points for thinking about how exactly can we get into conversations about this? And for example, how could we connect up our curriculum and our curriculum intent with ways of specifically addressing this? And so um, I think those are really interesting conversations because particularly, um, you know, things like a a school that I'm on the Board of Governors for, it has been doing a lot of work around curriculum and actually embedding disciplinary literacy in their curriculum and their approach and that to me is just such a wonderful starting point to think about okay not only how do students read write think in a particular subject but what does that also then mean in terms of the way they're contrasting with those who have other disciplinary expertise when it comes to careers and i think that's a really important part of thinking about how our multiple discipline interests and strengths are actually going to contribute in the future Um, but there are also lots of other resources that might not be specific to this broader sort of thinking about how you embed it in pedagogy or how you lead on this work but are really around immersing us in experiences of different types of work and some of the dimensions of these social complexities so there's a podcast called climbing the rungs which does a fantastic job of connecting up Um, issues around social mobility and careers and thinking about the real obstacles that people face when they come from certain backgrounds and are trying to go into roles that they don't have, you know, familial uh, communities that are already in those kinds of job roles, um, etc. So that's one great option. And there's also a a huge range of different podcasts talking about aspects of work more generally. Um, There's one called Women at Work, which is focusing specifically specifically on some of the challenges women face in the workplace, um, and not only around you know, work-life balance issues, but also around some aspects of gender socialization and you know, the challenge of giving feedback or being in a leadership position when perhaps some people are, are not, uh, or some industries have not traditionally have had as many women in those kinds of roles. So I think there are so many podcasts you can dip into uh, that website. There also are lots of profiles of sociologists who've gone on to work in different areas on the Applied Sociology website. So that's a great place that if you're thinking about how how do i cl- connect up some of you know a particular unit of study to say a case study of a person that we can then think about which of their sociological skills are they using you know that's a website where you can look at a whole bunch of profiles and sort of draw from some of those real alumni and what they're doing how they're being sociologists in different industries today gosh
0: so i mean I, i'm gonna been teaching sociology for a while but I've not heard of one of those websites in my life and I don't know how I've got <laughs> to this point so I'm super grateful for, for that I think you know I just I just think to myself that actually this has been super like obviously it's been so super useful and it's not just a case of I think what's what I've, my biggest takeaway from this is it isn't something that's just an add-on it's yeah. something that we're embedding as part of our sort of discourse and our narrative you know like with our mm-hmm. students and I think that actually maybe with practice that it becomes almost the norm within the classroom that you know I think mm-hmm. for me I'm, usually, I'm just reflecting what you're saying so you've said a lot in my head like that and I'm thinking to myself I know that is you know, we talk about curriculum intent and stuff like that. And I think sometimes you do it because you feel like you have to, but actually just mapping out for you, maybe as a teacher, all the opportunities that are available. And I know sometimes it feels like it's a thing you have to do because someone's asked you to do it, but actually that might be really helpful think, you know, actually, like you said, Becca, we're talking about even careers, or when you're looking at education and actually there's lots of different links there that actually, pre exist without having them to be add I've got one more final question. And I know that you're you know, you've said lots and I almost have to feel like I have to digest it all. One of them is, okay, we agree, we know that this is something we've got to do. Okay, and it's important. But why is it important? You know, because obviously, there's going to be some people, you know, including myself at some moments, I'm a sociology teacher. You know, I'm not a, like, like we said, careers advisor. Um, I want them to have sociological knowledge. And that's the most important thing. Or some people's a, a belief is that we've got to pass exams. I'm sure there's people think that. Oh. Why is it actually important? Do you think that teachers do incorporate, you know, this careers element? Because we've talked about the how, but we haven't talked about the
1: why so much. Mm. Um, why is it important? I think it's a really good question. And I think you know, drawing back to that tension about, you know, the way that we might feel obligated to do this for various reasons because of all the structures around us, um, the way we might feel about our the subject, you know, what we actually connect to. I think there are two things to me that are really important to remember. One being that, you know, when we think about sociology and the way that it facilitates this critical consideration of the challenges we all face, and what structures are reinforcing them, how they might change. That to me is a kind of conversation that we need today more than ever. And being able to help in some small way to make sure our students can go on and contribute to that conversation after they graduate, rather than feeling like they have to just go away from it and not continue studying the subject, I think that's a really important thing because I see how sociological thinking makes a difference in different conversations um, and different spheres of life. But also, I think there's something about, you know, our role as teachers and the fact that probably for a lot of us, we're invested in teaching because we care about pedagogy. We care about the way that students develop themselves, develop their knowledge, grow. And really, careers and how we understand careers should be a part of that. You know, unfortunately for many people, and I would say myself included, we learn about it accidentally by actually, you know, growing older, having experiences, and then going, oh, now I know what I would tell my 15-year-old self about what a career actually is. But that's I hate you. you. I hate you. (laughs) It's I think we have an opportunity. And in that sense, you know, I'm not saying we should all have to take all of that work on ourselves absolutely not but i do think that there is space for these conversations where we can say Hey, what are your strategies? What are mine? How can we have conversations about this? Share some of the load? Um, and you know, I would be very happy if anyone listening to this is wants to get in touch because I'm myself really interested in figuring out how to continue, you know sharing, as you mentioned some of those resources I've had from previous events um, that have quotes from alumni and can be sort of put up as evidence of the ways of thinking that sociologists do after they graduate. Um, But also I'm really interested in having conversations about how we can work better between you know HE and schools and colleges to sort of share thinking around this because you know the office for students has been saying well can we get schools and universities to work better together in order to support things like widening participation and to me this is you know one small way that co-developing resources you know giving feedback on these kinds of ways that we can integrate careers into our uh, own teaching is something that's a small step but a really important one in that wider mission
0: gosh sort of, yeah I mean it is it, is, it isn't
1: it sounds, it sounds like a big responsibility but
0: I think we've all gone into teaching like you said um you know I think like you said it's a wider mission of what you said is, is just so so powerful it really resonates with me and I was like oh god I, I hear you you know on a teaching level we want our students to be the best version of themselves to self-actualize and and actually you know like you said we sort of I hear you on this where you sort of go on this sort of journey and like, I oh, wish I knew that when I was 15 years old, you know, <laughs> like, you know, especially as well, if it's like, like you said, widening participation, you know, students that are first generation university students, you know, they're not going to have that narrative of, of that. And obviously there's an element of, you know, you you have to find out for yourself, but actually for those people, it might, it might be a little bit harder. So we've got that as a duty of care. There's also that idea of, as I'm taking away from that sort of, A role of a sociology a sociologist as well as a sociology teacher but as a sociologist in the classroom is to sort of is to create social action to not reproduce some of these i don't know status quo structures in our society that there is still this gender pay gap that actually if we're having this discussion this narrative around this then students are aware of it, enlightened around it, so that actually potentially when they go off and have careers, that actually they're questioning this status quo and it will no longer be the status quo. So obviously it's a big responsibility, but it's like you said, it's not something a sole teacher's doing on their own. They're working in collaboration with the universities, um, as well as obviously, maybe other social media teachers. There's, there's a lot there. That I've started with this journey on, oh, careers, you know, when I was at school, they had to make us do a kudos, like this thing called kudos, which you had to type in, and it, and it tells you what job you're going to do. Like, you don't need to do like a, a degree strongly to agree. And yes. then you like, oh, you could be a dog handler or a teacher. I think that's what it came up for me. But actually, it's much more than this. And actually, it's, I don't know if it's the right word to put on it, but it's, all like there's, it's something more moral, something that has more value than just you're going to be a dog handler or a teacher. <laughs> do you know what I mean, it's, it's something bigger than that. That actually, it, like, I think using your words, and you said it so well, it's more grounded than that. Yeah, is that? How, and I think is, it, have I interpreted it right?
1: Absolutely, and I think yeah. it's also empowering in a particular way because oh. telling a student you already have lots of careers. There are sociological theories that say, you know, what you're doing in your spare time, what you've learned how to do, even just in terms of basic household activities and and chores, those are already careers. So you don't have to stress so much about finding the right career. It's a question of bringing things that you're already doing, you're already interested in together and thinking about where is the right opportunity for me and how can I contribute in these different ways? And you know, I think that is a really empowering thing. Um, one of the alumnus that I spoke to at this public event last autumn in the Festival of Social Science um, was involved in, is still involved in hospitality and said, you know, it was, that was sort of a personal, like part-time job that then after studying sociology, it was like, wait, I can, I can continue working here but I can make a difference in different ways and I think that sense of not being hostage to the job opportunities that just exist but being able to sort of think more more critically about where you can go what you can do as well as the structural barriers that might be in your way I think that's really important since you know I've certainly heard that in the context we're living in right now students have even more worries about what's going to go on how they're going to get employed and so I think you know, there's a certain way this also connects up to making sure our students feel confident that it, they are not just at the whim of, you know, the structures around them. They have power too.
0: Gosh, that's so true. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean it, is,
0: it is empowering, isn't it? It's, it's that idea that it isn't, you're not part of the structure, you just need to go and get a job. And it's funny because I, I just, um, I was making something yesterday, it just really resonated with what you just said. And I put a quote up that was not my quote, it's from someone else. And it was basically the idea that, you know, when I do this, I'll be happy. When I do this, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that's a backwards way of thinking. It, I think it's a guy called Sean Anker. Well, I know, I know it's a guy called Sean. Put his name underneath the quote. But it's this idea that actually, once if you're happy and you do what you're happy, you're always going to do well. Um, and it's sort of philosophy that I sort of think about as well. We're teaching that, weirdly, I'll put it out there. I don't, I don't get overly concerned about the results and exams because I feel if they enjoy the process. They will always get there i think if they don't enjoy the process then they're definitely not going to get there because it's just something they have to do and i think with probably careers as well that actually it's, it is a lot more holistic than that and actually if it is retail or hospitality that brings you joy then actually if you carry on doing that and it don't be afraid some of the students have heard before that i really love sociology what can i do with this do you think i should go off and do x y and z instead but actually that having to isn't very empowering and actually mm. it's, it's more than that. So I think I think it's useful as well to hear it from you. I know it sounds silly, but sometimes you have these <laughs> ideas in your head and you've spent time researching this and looking to this. So this is not just some sort of like women in my head that I'm thinking, am I being a bit risque here? And I'm sure lots of sociology teachers will be listening to this and be thinking, actually I can be a bit bra- braver in the classroom. And actually those structures are there,
1: but actually we can work and have a little bit of agency within them potentially. Absolutely. There's no reason if, if it's important for us to engage with careers, we can do it in ways that we find interesting, that we find links to our teaching, you know, and, and in that sense, it's going to be more meaningful um, if it is grounded in, in the work and the things that we're already dedicated to doing.
0: Oh, thank you. It sounds like it's a bit more authentic from what you're saying. So, I'm mm-hmm. um, so, so thank you for your time. I feel like it's cleared a lot of things up in my head. I'm sure it will clear a lot of things up in other people's heads. There's some great websites there. What I will do, I think, when we get this posted, is I'll put those links on there as well because actually I've never heard of them. So, they're really great. And obviously, um, I will be in touch again because I'd love to sort of make links with you. I'm sure other, other schools, particularly because obviously you're up. I'm not very good with geography now, but I'm north somewhere. <laughs> I, I'm down here, so uh, we'll do as well. So thank you for your time and a lovely speaking to you. It's been
1: a pleasure, Katie. Thanks. Thank you. The
0: Sociology Staff Room is brought to you by Tutor2U Sociology. Find us at tutor2u.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutor 2 sock or Instagram at tutor 2 you sock. You can also join our very lively. Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.